Welcome into another QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Callan Elslager. You can find me at Twitter at Callan underscore Elslager. This, once again, is the Waiver Wire Show. And as always, I am joined by AJ Passman. AJ, how are you doing this week? Hey, Callan. I'm doing great, man. My, my teams are killing it. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats to you on your Falcons getting their first of what I'm sure is going to be very many wins for the rest of the season mm. as, the turn, as the season starts turning around right here. I, on the other hand, can't say too much about my Pittsburgh Steelers as they look like garbage on offense. So I'm not in the best of mood right now, but we're going to power through because there are a lot of names to talk about on the waiver wire show. As we mentioned, this is the waiver wire show and some news for this. AJ and I will be the team going forward for the rest of the season. You heard me and Eric week one. That was fun while it lasted, but AJ is a better partner for us. So we're going to keep going. So expect to hear us every week (laughs) from here on in. And... As we continue, as always, you can find us on Twitter at VQB List. And yeah, stay tuned. AJ is going to have his waiver wire article dropping pretty soon after you see this podcast. So keep an eye on that as you get ready to make your bids. And we're going to try and get you to the big names because Christian McCaffrey once again went down. And that'll lead us right into the running backs as we saw last year what Mike Davis could do when. Christian McCaffrey is out. Mike Davis was the number 12 running back in PPR last year in fantasy. So we know the running back in Carolina can be very valuable. That leads us to our first name of Chuba Hubbard. AJ, how interested are we in Chuba Hubbard? Does he have that high of upside that Davis did last year? Or what kind of expectations do you have for for him taking over? Yeah, honestly, I think Chuba Hubbard is potentially the biggest name that's come up all season. Uh, you know, we're right here. We're getting into week four. We're a couple weeks away from the buys. And with McCaffrey going down, once once he went down, Hubbard was in for uh, almost 80% of the offensive snaps. And um, I, I think he is a much more talented back than Mike Davis is and was. Um, and he's going to prove that over the next couple of weeks. The big question, I think, is how long is Christian McCaffrey going to be out? And uh, from from what I've seen, the very first report said a few weeks, uh, but it was kind of vague. Um, so, Callan, I, I think that, you know, the fact that they played on a third helps, his, uh, helps managers who have McCaffrey because it does give a little bit of that extra, a um, little bit of that extra time for him to heal. But, I mean, while he's out, I think he'll be out at least two games. And while he's gone, I really think that um, that – Chuba Hubbard is going to just take that role. He's not going to be, you know, Christian McCaffrey. So let's not expect that. But he is, I think, going to take on a very similar role where they don't have to change that game plan. I mean, when he was at Oklahoma State, his big breakout year of, of 2019, he ran tw- he ran for over 2,000 yards, and that was 25 carries a game. And so he's been used as kind of that bell cow workhorse um, three down back before. And I think they're just going to slot him right in there. So he's to, to me, he, especially if you are, if you are someone who is a zero RB drafter, uh, which I'm not most of the time, but if you are, um, you're probably more happy than you should be about somebody getting injured. Um, but, but I, but I, I think he's, I think he's going to go for upwards of, you know, 40% of fab. And I, I, I would say go get him because that's the other thing with these injuries, you know, they, they, they can linger. They can last a little bit longer, especially if I need to rush him back. Yeah, you mentioned the hamstring injuries there. They're tough to predict. And even the Panthers themselves, they say, oh, it's a few weeks. They're keeping him off IR, which is a good sign if you're McCaffrey manager. But that can change in an instant. We saw throughout the season as people go through and just they're not 100% even when they come back. So we know McCaffrey will get the bell cow to work once he comes back, but Hubbard still could We've seen what teams have done with their running backs. Hubbard could enter into maybe Tony Pollardish sort of status or Naheem Hines status where he's still getting work even when McCaffrey comes back. So I'm all in on trying to get Chuba Hubbard. I like the what he's going to be. We saw Mike Davis, like you said, be a top 12 running back when McCaffrey was out. And Hugh Hubbard is younger. He's a rookie, and they obviously believe in him. They obviously liked getting a solid guy to have behind McCaffrey after coming off injuries. So I think Chuba is going to be a great pickup. I would go as high as you said, 40% probably end up in that 35 40% range and you try and get him because you you get him and you're going to start him right away with the amount of work he's going to get. So, I completely agree. Um this is 
Elijah Mitchell was a great guy. Chuba Hubbard will enter that sort of top uh, high-end fab value, and you should go get him because injuries can be un- unpredictable, as we've seen throughout the year. So speaking yeah, of... Yeah, Bell- yeah I, I would say, you know, there, especially after, I think we might all be a little gun-shy after Mitchell, you know, for good reason. Um, but, you know, I, I would say don't wait. You know, it, it, you 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 can't take your fab with you mm-hmm. after the season, and you know the it it might not come. You might not have this good of an opportunity again. Injuries will absolutely happen, but you know when you're talking the premier uh, running back in all of in all of football, you know this is one of those times where you go get him. As a broke graduate school student i've tried to take fab back after season try to see if i can convert some money to try and pay off loans apparently i can't do it i've tried and they don't let me so i'm disappointed with that but yeah you go get the guy who's going to be the bell cow in a in a good offense let's face it the panthers offense has looked pretty good to start this season so juba yeah. hubbard's gonna step right in he played as you mentioned right away and was up to almost 80 percent of the snaps after that so We'll see if they bring somebody in and if they bring a bigger name, maybe that tempers some expectations, but they wouldn't have drafted Hubbard if they didn't want to be the guy. So I'm in, I'm in and I'm definitely going as high as you said. So moving on to the next bell cow running back from last week, Peyton Barber. What? He finished the last We week didn't think we were going to say that. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't. I never expected to want to talk about Peyton Barber, but here we are. He had 23 carries last week for 111 yards. And what was amazing to me, he saw 13% of targets from Derek Carr last week. And that's not entirely an insignificant amount of passing work in an offense that is another offense that surprises us of how good it's going to be. So, AJ, try and talk me down from this. Like, am I really going to drop fab on Peyton Barber? You know, he's a, he's a Gruden grinder, Callan. And uh, there's there's something to be said for that. No, I you know I I I've laughed. Uh, I I think my wife can attest. I laughed out loud when I when I was reading the report that John Gruden said that Peyton Barber was his lead back with Josh Jacobs out. Uh, but apparently he meant it. And after after a, a pretty lackluster week two, um, he really he really came on and he handled the workload. Um, the, the big question for Barber is how long is Jacobs out and that all of this opportunity could evaporate really quickly because at least right now it seems like Drake is going to stay the receiving down back. But if Jacobs stays out and this, this ankle injury that he has, it is so unclear exactly what's going on with Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, it, they're, they're declaring him out um, well ahead of game time and all of the news and all of the, sentiment coming out is that, I don't know it, it, it doesn't seem great um, but at any time he you know Jacobs could come out so um, it, when he comes back um, you know it might it might be time to say goodbye to Peyton Barber but I would say again if I, I don't know Callan I mean it, w- if you need a running back I'm not going to be mad at you for dropping you know 10 or 15 percent on Peyton Barber for you know as long as it lasts so bring the Clippers out it's barber time. They said an 18-week season was going to get interesting, and here we are going into week four, and we're recommending picking up Peyton Barber. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. And you mentioned the work. Kenyon Drake saw 15% targets. I mentioned Peyton Barber 13. Drake only saw 15. So, yes, Drake is still the passing guy, but it's getting closer than we expected, and Drake was only on the field for 43% of the snaps. His lowest total of the entire season including week one when Josh Jacobs was out there. So Peyton Barber is kind of emerging as the the one. And like you said, it's a tough sell because we don't know when Jacobs is going to be back. This seemed like a minor injury, and yet here he was missing two weeks. So I don't know if I can go to the total, full 15 just because the Jacobs or Jacobs, not Jacobs. He is emerging in to come back soon. So, But if you go up to as high as 10, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really have a problem with that. So, yeah, and, and you know you know what I would say? If you're a McCaffrey owner and you don't get Hubbard, then Barber could be just what the doctor ordered for these few weeks um, while Jacobs is out and McCaffrey's out. He could really fill that gap for you. So if if you have a need where, where you are really shallow at running back because of uh, one of these other injuries, then, you know, again, I, I, I wouldn't be – 
I wouldn't blame you. And I, I won't be surprised if, uh, if he does go for that 10 to 15%. Yeah, and we know he is very readily available because he is Peyton Barber and Nolan Wall has him on rosters. He is 7% <laughs> rostered on Yahoo. So like you said, if you need a running back for this week, if you lost McCaffrey, if you may lose Dalvin Cook, we don't know what his status will be for upcoming. You might do worse than Peyton Barber. Words I didn't expect to say. And then finally, before we get into some super deeper dart throws sort of guys, J.D. McKissick's the name we want to bring up one last time. We He had a quiet week three. He only saw uh, two targets. He was on the field for still 46% of the snaps. So are we still trying to recommend Peyton, or not Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick gets picked up by fantasy managers? Yeah, you know, he he's at uh he's almost at that 50% mark. He, well, he's at 39% in in Yahoo leagues right now. And I still think he's worth rostering, especially if you're in full PPR. Um if you're in standard, I I wouldn't go there. Um I and and again, I I don't think that he's going to be a big ad this week. So I would actually, you know, if you really want to make sure that you get him, you know, maybe sprinkle, you know, a dollar or two in, in there, but I actually think he'll he might be available by the time waivers process on Wednesday. And again, that that could be um, you know, one of those uh, one of those decent flex plays depending on how the game script um you know plays out obviously you know i think they have a pretty good matchup as well um against atlanta which could actually turn into less receiving work so again i wouldn't i'm not desperate to go out there and get him um but i still think that there's value there uh particularly with just the way that you know he's you know the way that he's still being out there for uh for receiving down work and and um plenty of plenty of offensive snaps yeah, and let's not forget that Gibson is still dealing with a minor injury. It didn't show it too much on that 73-yard touchdown, but besides that, that he only saw one of her targets. So McKissick still has his passing game work, even though some fantasy managers might not want him to still have that work because they have a lot of shares of Gibson. But McKissick's still going to have his value. He said if you miss out on someone, go pick him up. He probably won't get a lot of fab just because of a poor performance for that matchup with Atlanta. Could be good for him, so... I would agree. Stash him on the bench. You never know. And he has some value. Heineke likes throwing to him. And before we get to the drop candidates, AJ, do you have a few dart throws you want to throw out that are, you know, deeper leagues or someone you want to stash that are very, very little little rostered that you're going to keep an eye on? Maybe throw like a dollar in at deeper leagues. Yeah. I I think if you're in one of those deeper leagues, um, it, and especially in PPR, half PPR, um, it, it's worth looking at JJ Taylor with James White uh, getting injured. It looks like they're they're going to be putting him on on IR um, if they haven't already. Uh, but with him going down, you know that kind of passing down work that um, you know, especially in the first in the first couple of weeks for New England, you saw that that was an important part of the offense, and and James White was um, was was you know a. a um, definitely drawing targets uh, from uh, from Mac Jones, um, so I, th- I think I think there's an option there. You know, he's only rostered in one percent. I don't think that he is, um, you know, a must add in in kind of twelve team leagues, but he could be worth an add there just to see. Uh, it was uh, it was Brandon Bolden that actually kind of took some of the James White work, but he is probably going to stay more with special teams and um, and some of that. So I think if if you're looking for a for a pass a pass catching back. JJ Taylor could fill into that James White role to a certain extent, um, you know, and it, it, it's hard to it, it's hard not to like uh, players on Tampa Bay. Um, but I'm personally not really going after Gio Bernard. He was not in the he was not in the offensive game plan at all in the first two weeks, and then he shows up uh, with uh, nine receptions on ten targets in week three. I think if if you have a really deep bench or a really deep league, he might be worth a stash, but there's no way I'm starting him with that sort of inconsistency. I don't anticipate the Bucks are going to have another game plan like they did against the Rams um, to where they really have to completely abandon the run. I mean, that that's pro- especially with a team at, of Tampa Bay's caliber. I mean, Cal, that's probably going to be few and far between where they have to game script like that. Yeah, I completely agree. I I want to have Gio Bernard because if there is a game like that where it's in a PPR league, he's going to have his value because he is the third down guy. He is the passing downs guy. But like you said, there will not be many games. There might not be a single game any left on the Buccaneers schedule where they're playing from behind and have to pass to catch up. So 
you hold on to it because he's the third down guy. And with how bad Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette have been this year. Yes. Let's you get never the, know. Let's get to the you drops, baby. So yeah. So that leads into <laughs> perfectly our segue for our drop candidates. And the first one is the aforementioned Ronald Jones. That backfield's a mess. AJ, do you have any hope for him to stash? Or are you done? Send him to the dumps and get rid of him. You know, there's... So Ronald Jones is still rostered at 70% of leagues, which I, I'm still, that still perplexes me. He won't be after this week. Um, yeah. Okay, the, with with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, there's always the chance that one of them is going to do something ridiculous and get benched. So there's always that possibility. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm out for Ronald Jones, especially if I'm looking at potentially adding someone like, uh, you know, certainly Chuba Hubbard, Peyton Barber, you know, you definitely, if, if Ronald Jones is, is who you need to drop, you drop him in a heartbeat for those guys. Uh, but for me, again, I, I'll say the same thing I said heading into week three. Um, I, I can't trust starting him. I can't trust putting him in a flex. I don't want to, I, I don't want him anywhere near my starting roster. So uh, Rojo's still out for me. I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Yeah. I'll drop him as well. And before we move on, we'll keep with the other Tampa Bay. Would you drop Leonard Fournette for Chuba Hubbard? Yes, I would do that as well. So moving on over to another annoying backfield, Devin Singletary had a very off week. We saw Zach Moss continue to get a little bit more work. He was on the field for only 43% of snaps for the Bills, and they blew it out, so they weren't uh, exactly passing the ball that often. Would you drop Devin Singletary for Chuba Hubbard? Or Peyton Barber. For, this, for, as well. for Chuba Hubbard, I would. For Peyton Barber, I'm not sure. Both both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were, were players that I was avoiding in drafts. So fortunately, I don't have to make that decision um, because we're kind of exactly where we thought we'd be. Um, it does seem like Zach Moss's role continues to grow in the offense. Remember, he was a healthy scratch in week one. And then now, now we've come to where he's, he's kind of started to take the majority of, of snaps. And... Uh, he looked better in in week three as well. So um, I, I I I think there might be some trade value for Singletary. I think he's probably too good just to drop uh, because he has um, he can definitely have those weeks, and it's a little bit hard to tell. But you know, you 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 wait for a, a week like week two um, where he has that long that long touchdown run, and you know I think he could potentially be packaged for somebody else. Um, so I don't, I'm not in a hurry to drop him, but I mean, I probably would for Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, I'll agree. Drop him for Hubbard. I wouldn't do it for Barber because there is an upside. I, unlike you, tried to take some chances on the Bills backfield, hoping to catch lightning in the bottle, and I'm partly regretting it right now. So yeah, I'll drop Singletary for, for Hubbard. I won't do it for Barber because of the hesitancy we talked about early, but his workload continues to go down each week. We're seeing Moss get more involved. So it's back to the annoying backfield we knew from last year. So Get him away for a guy who we know will get the lion's share of work in Carolina. I would agree with that. So speaking of annoying backfields, Baltimore. Last week, Tyson Williams only had five carries for 22 yards. Are you done with him? Are you dropping him for any of these backs? Again, it, it, you know, it, it's funny because I, I think Chuba Hubbard is, is an outlier. So it's hard for me to say that I wouldn't drop any of these guys that we're talking about. Uh, for Hubbard, just because I think the opportunities there and, you know, you, you don't know when you're going to have chances to win your weeks. If you're in if you're in head to head weeks, you got to get those wins. So for me, it's hard to say, uh, you know, that I wouldn't drop these guys for for Hubbard. But I'll just say generally, I'm still kind of on a on a wait and see with with Tyson uh, Williams. I, I, I think it's hard to know exactly what this backfield is going to look like. It's not encouraging right now, um, particularly with week three. But I'm still kind of on a wait and see. So if I were going to drop somebody, I would probably look elsewhere on my roster before I look towards Tyson Williams. Yep, I agree. I don't want to drop him. I guess if you really told me I had to drop him for Hubbard, I might do it, but I really would rather not. He seems to be the best of that that annoying backfield, so I'd, I'd much rather hold on to him. But if I was desperate and needed someone right away, I might do it for Hubbard. That's about it. And then real quick, just kind of yes or no. We seem like we're kind of off on these guys. Kenyon Drake was the name we kind of sent down on. Are we dropping him after this, after last week? Yeah, he's 81% rostered, but yeah, I'm dropping him. And then Mark Ingram. He had a great week one, but his workload continues to decline. We're, we're dumpsville for him as well, correct? Yep. 
Yes, all right, sir. that'll do it for that'll do it for the running backs, and we'll move over to the wide receivers, and we'll start off. Eric, I know you're listening. Remember who I told you to pick up week one, who was my number one wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders of the Buffalo Bills. Last week, he had a great week. He had two touchdowns, and he continues to get more work. You have a lot on this sheet about him, so I'm going to let you talk. And before <laughs> I pat myself on the back some more, how excited should we be about Emmanuel Sanders? Well, first, I have to apologize to Emmanuel Sanders because uh, at, heading into week two, he was he was my stash pick. Um, just because the amount of targets he was getting, just how involved he already was in the Buffalo offense. Um, I think he was getting ignored a lot because uh, probably because he's 34 uh, because, you know, of all the different options on there uh, on that team. Um, So uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I apologize to you for not keeping the faith heading into week three, but now heading into week four, I'm back. Um, So he, you know, he, he, he definitely was a stash pick after week one um, because he played 93% of their, of their offensive snaps and picked up eight targets um, in week two. He still got the targets, but he only turned those into two receptions. He got six targets. Um, and the reason, the reason he dipped is pretty clear. Buffalo wasn't playing well. Josh Allen wasn't playing well. Uh, he Josh Allen wasn't as accurate as, as he had been during his breakout last season. Um, but Emmanuel Sanders, after two weeks, still led the Bills in air yards, and now he's averaging 150. He's still averaging like 115 air yards, um, and so week three is that blow up that all those advanced stats were pointing towards, and now, and now the secret's out. Um, so he's already seen 20 targets. You know, Stephon Diggs will still get his. He's probably due for a for a bit of a bounce back. He hasn't really been getting the the touchdown receptions or any of those, but um, if, if I were to ask you who is, um, of the entire league, who is leading the league in average depth of target for players who have been on the field for 60% of snaps and have seen more than 10 targets, I, it's surprise. It's Emmanuel Sanders. So he's, um, he, he's, he's a huge part of this offense. Um, I, I do think I can't I can't say we should expect two touchdowns every week, Callan, but I do think that that he is that number two option. Um, and, you know, I mean, maybe call it lightning in a bottle. But, um, you know, we saw Josh Allen do this to a to a receiver people weren't sure about a year ago. Yeah. And let's look ahead to his schedule just for added thing. Next week, he Ooh, plays the Houston yeah. Texans. Bad defense. The week after that, Kansas City. Not been a great defense. We saw what mm-hmm. offenses are doing in this year. Then after that, Titans, not a great defense. Passing teams are passing against them. Then they have the bye. You can't play them then, obviously. But after the bye, Miami, okay, that's a little bit more of a tougher matchup. But then the Jaguars and the Jets. These are matchups that Emmanuel Sanders could take advantage of. Buffalo is continuing. And as their offense starts to move back to what they were in 2020, just passing it, and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary continue to get a little bit less work, that's going to open up for more opportunities for Emmanuel Sanders. I'm fully in. I definitely agree. Go get him. He is the number one wide receiver easily for me this week. And schedule is going to prove it. So how much fab do you drop on a guy like this? Well, let's see. He's so right now. Emmanuel Sanders is twenty six percent rostered. This this is going to be the last week to go get him. And and like you said, he his schedule is just going to get better and better. And he's got that big playability. So, um, you know, he he's exactly what you want for that. You know, wide receiver three, four, kind of in, in that range to to bring back way more value than that. Um, so, you know, if if it's me and and I I need a receiver, especially if I have Josh Allen as a quarterback and I want to get some stack going on in there, um, you know I I'm I'm willing to to put down you know twenty percent of of my fab uh, for that, particularly if I if I you know didn't um, you know overextend myself in the previous weeks and I have you know a healthy uh, healthy chunk left, um, I'm I'm happy to do it and jump all in because. You know, like you said, Callan. I mean that that schedule is unbelievable, and he's that. And that's that's why that that average depth of target is so enticing because because these are beatable defenses, and Josh Allen loves to take those shots. So I don't see it ending anytime soon. Yep, I agree. I would probably go right in that same range, fifteen to twenty percent. Take advantage of the schedule. Take advantage of one of our favorite offenses coming a year that looked like they were back last week and. 
they'll just continue to go. So I'm all in. Get me as much of Emmanuel Sanders as I can this week in Fab. So moving on to our next wide receiver option, it goes down. It Sanders is a must add. These next guys are kind of stash. Maybe see what you can do. Don't go too big. But the first one on the list is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Week two struggled for him, but last week he came back with three catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. He's starting to get a little bit more work. He seems to be the next passing option for Green Bay after Devontae Adams. Are you intrigued with Marquez Valdez Scantling? Where, where do you stand on him? MVS is is Emmanuel Sanders light for me this week. Um, he's he's only rostered in ten percent of leagues. Um, you know, if, if you watched Week Two, the uh, the Green Bay game, um, and and I would encourage go go check out the what we saw articles um, after after each week because we break down you know things that might not might not show up in the stat sheet. What you saw is Aaron Rodgers missed uh, Valdez Scantling on a couple deep throws, and. You know his his week two would have been drastically different if if Rodgers hadn't been able to connect on those. Um, so I I think that he is um, he's with, with Devonta Adams soaking up targets with the offense really running through him and Aaron Jones um, playing really well. I, I I think there's opportunity there for MVS to kind of be that that field stretcher that that deep threat. Um, you know he's. Uh, and as his if his snaps continue to go up, then he does actually get up into that Emmanuel Sanders territory for his average depth of target. He's he's number one in the league if you're looking at 50 percent uh, of snaps or more. Um, so if those targets keep going up and if those snap uh, those snap counts keep going up for MVS, um, then, you know, that that second receiver slot is open with um, with Robert Tunyon, not not really showing up this season like he did last year. Um, I think the opportunity's there, and it looks like Aaron Rodgers is starting to get that uh, chip on his shoulder again. It, it wasn't as flashy on the stat line as Sanders, or maybe even one or two of the other names we'll mention briefly at the end of his segment. But like you said, Randall Cobb was barely targeted. I think he, he only got like 3%. Alan Lazard, similar, couple targets, that's about it. Aaron Devontae Adams had 18 targets. That's unlikely to sustain itself, so there could be more work coming Marquez Valdez-Scantling's way. I'm, I'm interested. I'm not going to go crazy on him. I'll stash him. I'm not going to say start him or anything, but if you have a spot to hold, I would agree. Go out and see what you can put him up, put him there. Go a dollar or two, see what you can get, put put him on your bench and see what you, so you can catch lightning in the bottle there. So I would agree. Next up on this list, the Broncos continue to get Tim Patrick involved. He had five targets last week, five receptions, 98 yards. We keep mentioning him on this podcast as a name to keep an eye on, yet he's only 23% rostered on Yahoo Leagues. AJ, help me get hit this guy more rostered. <laughs> will will this be the week? Will this be the week that Tim Patrick goes up, up above 50%? No, it will not because he never will uh, because it, it, it's the same thing as as last season. You know, he, he performs well, and um, but he's, he's going to be a really, I think, a good flex floor option. He's going to get his, you know, uh, he's going to get his handful of targets. He's going to, he's going to have a really high catch rate. He's going to have the odd touchdown here and there. Um, but you know, he, but he always ends, he always ends up being pretty consistent. So I still like Tim Patrick. I don't think you're going to have to uh, put up more than a couple dollars for him for the next, uh, for, for the week four waiver wire. I think that as he continues to go, he might start, uh, he might start going up in roster percentage. Uh, but also if Jerry Judy, if, if we find out that Jerry Judy is going to be out for a little bit longer, just expect that that is going to have a little bit of a, of an effect on Tim Patrick's ownership. And one of the biggest, you know, Callan, one of the biggest uh, obstacles to Tim Patrick being rostered was KJ Hamler, who is now hurt. And so with, with his availability uncertain, um, I, th- I always think the time is great to go get Tim Patrick. So go get him spend, you know, again, just, just sprinkle some in there. I don't think he's gonna, he's going to take more than, you know, that kind of throw in $3 to make sure that you beat the $1 bid type, uh, type approach. But, um, but again, he's, he's solid and that's all that that's all you can ask for from that kind of flex position. He's a guy who, I might even prefer him to Marquez Valdez Scanling because he's kind of consistently got the work each week. He's gone up in snap percentage, not drastically, but it went from 70 to 74 to 76. His target share was the highest percentage he's had of the entire season jumped from 11% to 
to 21% from week one to three. He needs to get more work. KJ Hamler's hurt. Jerry Judy's not there. The ball has to go somewhere. No offense, still good. And Cortland Sutton's becoming that number one again. But there's plenty mm-hmm. of opportunities for Tim Patrick. And they're no longer going to be playing these cakewalk teams of the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. They're going to be playing in closer games. We're going to probably have to throw it a little more than they've been. So I'm I'm definitely in on Tim Patrick. I'll go as high as 5 to 7% even if you want to be sure to get him. I'm I'm definitely – I want him. I want to get him. It may not be in my lineup right away, but he's a solid flex. He says we start to get more injuries. We're going to approach the bye week soon. You better get this guy on your roster before people catch on. So I'm definitely trying to get Tim Patrick. And then finally, for I guess the more main guys, we have a guy who's coming off IR potentially this week for the Washington football team in Curtis Samuel. AJ, you're definitely you put on the sheet. You're very interested in him. Sell me on him. Tell me why I should go get Curtis Samuel in my leagues. You know, so Curtis Samuel coming uh, coming to Washington. Uh, the Washington Washington football team. Um, we were excited about him with Ryan Fitzpatrick showing um, showing up, and with with Fitz, Fitzpatrick out at least you know probably until um, after their bye, um, you know so until week ten or so. Um, uh, Taylor Heineke has actually proved pretty competent, and uh, he he's he's actually going to. We'll talk about him further down in our quarterback streamers, um, but Curtis Samuel. Um, is I, I think he's a great possession receiver. I think that he's really talented. I think that with, you know, in, in Washington, I, I don't think Adam Humphreys is going to be able to compete with what Curtis Samuel can provide on the field. Um, and, you know, they're, they're looking for kind of, I think that second receiver um, to go with Terry McLaurin, who is just, you know, obviously the target hog. Um, but, but I think they're looking for exactly what Curtis Samuel p- provides in that offense and the fact that he's coming off of IR right now, um, he might be a little bit under under the radar, but he was, um, you know, heavily rostered, and 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 I think uh, there was a lot of excitement around him in the preseason before he got hurt. So uh, to me, I I, I want to make sure that he's on there. If if you have the IR spot in your in your league, there's a good chance that he might not be available. Um, but if you don't, or if somebody did drop him because they had a couple guys go on there, I would definitely go snap him up. Um, and just 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 make sure that he's there because um, he he has a lot of potential to to do really well as kind of that second option in Washington. Yeah, I, I can't see why we wouldn't be. I'm I'm not gonna go nuts on. He wasn't someone I was I, I was intrigued on him, but I wasn't as high on him as some people were as that sleeper option. But there was an opening for the number two wide receiver in Washington. Diami Brown was kind of a name who had been getting some intrigue with the amount of work with the injury to him and he's looked pretty good so far, but nothing that Curtis Samuel can overtake and that connection he has with Ron Rivera could be something to keep an eye on. So yeah, if he, if he's still out there as he gets closer to coming off the IR, he it's time to go get him and stash him from this point on. So real quick, we'll run through some of the final names that are kind of just a little more under the radar. Uh, you can just pick one or two that you like the most and talk about them. Hunter Renfro is 11% rostered. He continues to get work on this impressive Las Vegas roster. And then there's Terrace Marshall with Christian McCaffrey come injured. We'll see if there's some more target share to come his way. How interested are you in these guys? Do you have a preference of these two or just try and sell me on some of these a little more under the radar names? Between the two, I I, I prefer Terrace Marshall. I th- I think he's got more upside. I think uh, going into uh, at, or in week three, um, he was actually the number two uh, target for Sam Darnold, and Robbie Anderson probably will see more targets. DJ Moore is having a great season, but I think that Marshall, uh, with Marshall playing out of the slot, I think that you know that those underneath routes that McCaffrey uh, just owns and and takes a lot of those i think that there will be some opportunity there for terrace marshall to get um to, to get some additional work and get some uh kind of easier receptions and kind of be an even bigger part of that offense because even though i think chuba hubbard will be there um he's not gonna he's not gonna take all of that um you know 22 percent or whatever it is uh target share that that mccaffrey took up um i i like renfro um, I think that he has he represents a pretty safe floor, um, but I'm probably not going to be putting any fab toward him. Um, you know, I, I think even the towel manager 
in 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 Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. Uh, the talent manager manager for Las Vegas saw five targets from Derek Carr. I mean, they are spreading it around. And they have looked good, um, but I you know I I just don't. It's hard to know when it's going to be Renfro's week. So I'll take the upside of Marshall. Yeah, it's team construction. If you lost AJ Brown and you need to fill somebody in, these two are little quiet options, just like AJ said, that are going to go probably a little more under the radar. Everyone's going to be dropping fat on Manuel Sanders as they should be. And they'll go for some of the other names. But Hunter Renfro and Terrace Marshall will probably sneak under the radar. There was that point where DJ Moore left on Thursday with a slight injury, but he came back. He should be fine. So targets are there because Robbie Anderson is not that great anymore. And it makes me sad as someone who liked him this (laughs) season. But Terrace Marshall is a guy I kind of liked out of college. So in on him. And Renfro is kind of in that Tim Patrick mold. You need a safety guy to throw on your flex. You can do worse than Hunter Renfro because he has seen at least six targets in every game this year. And he's another guy who may have a little bit of a easy schedule possibly coming down the stretch. So kind of the same thing we did for running backs. There's two more names, kind of the same thing. Marquez Callaway and AJ Green as names to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. Do we do we think that's even worth keeping an eye on those guys, or what are you what are you kind of expecting from them? AJ Green just refuses to go away. Um, you know, I, I I think that if you have AJ Green, this might be a time to sell high. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we're calling it a comeback, um, I, you know, I, I think in that Kyler Murray offense, um, you know, it's it might be a Christian Kirk week, it might be an AJ Green week, it might be Rondale Moore next week, and you know, again, this was a perfect opportunity with DeAndre Hopkins limited kind of hobbled out there. Um, I, I think it was it was just that perfect storm for somebody like AJ Green. He does continue to see the targets, but um, you know, I I, I think this would be the time to move on from him if there's some trade value there. But um, you know, I'm not I, I'm not super um sold on on AJ Green's value moving forward. And, yeah, and for Mar- Callaway. yeah. Yeah for Mar- Marcos Callaway, I, I think um I'm just staying away from the uh from any Saint not named Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I'd probably I'd maybe <laughs> like if Callaway's still sitting there, he's only yeah. got he's got 25% targets. The schedule gets a little easier on the stretch. We saw the potential that's there, but Thomas could be back within the next couple of weeks. So you know it's it's interesting. It's kind of the same thing. If you need somebody, you can do worse than Marquez Callaway, but if you're in a deep league, just try and make sure those guys are rostered. So moving on to some of the drop candidates, just real quick before we move on to the next position. Uh, the first name I want to mention is LaVisca Chenault. He's been kind of up and down this season. The Jaguars continue to throw the ball a lot, but he may be lower on the pecking order than we've been thinking. Are we dropping LaVisca Chenault for any of these guys? Man, I was excited about Chenault, honestly. I, I, he, he's, he's got that great um, kind of year two breakout potential. Um, but the fact is, you know, I, I think they're on a bad team with a rookie quarterback and rookie quarterbacks very rarely, if ever can support two viable wide receivers and through three weeks, it's Marvin Jones for, for Trevor Lawrence. That's his target. Um, Marvin Jones has done that everywhere he's gone. He is, uh, overperformed and, and he's demanded targets. So, um, I, you know, I think that Chenault to me is a maybe, just because I think the talent is there. Um, I, he, he's, he's similar to Tyson Williams, that, like we were talking about other running backs, that I'd prefer to, to drop someone else just because of the maybe, you know, because of the potential. But, I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't see it getting a lot better for, for Jacksonville um, this season. So he's, he is kind of on the chopping block for me. I think the only one that I for sure would drop him for is Emmanuel Sanders. The other ones I – think Chenault just, ha- Chenault just has more upside of them. So I'll drop him for Sanders because we've seen what he can do. But the upside is greater for Chenault than the other options. So that's the only one I'll do. And then speaking of upside, this guy isn't anywhere near as rostered. Darnell Mooney's 45% rostered. The Bears offense looked gr- terribly, terrible, terrible on Sunday. Are we dropping him? Are we done looking for that upside? Or are any of these guys not worth it for him? You know, I, I'm actually so I, I would actually hold Mooney over Chenault, and okay. that is uh, maybe that's just my uh, my preseason bias on it. But um, you know, it, last year uh, I think you know Darnell Mooney, um, the number of targets that he was able to get as a rookie, 
was was pretty impressive, and that correlates really, really well to success in the second year and beyond. Um, on it, the the strangest thing is the issue for Mooney might be Justin Fields, who we're all kind of excited about and want him to start. But um, if if Fields continues to struggle and Andy Dalton comes back, I actually think that's better for Mooney. Um, because I think Dalton can can probably support both Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney as you know um, you know a W four WR four with upside. Um, so I'm actually I'm I'm gonna wait and see. I'm, I'm I'm curious. I don't have a lot of faith in in the Bears offense. Um, so don't hear that from me. <laughs> but um, but you know I, I I'm I'm curious. I, I think the talent is there. I think he I think he's really really good. And I think that that he could, you know, if the offense can balance itself out, and that might honestly be with Andy Dalton in 2021, um, as much as it hurts me to say, um, I think I think Mooney would do better there and could return some, you know, WR4, WR5 value with upside. I think it's the same thing I said for Chanel. I'll drop him for Emmanuel Sanders, but I'll hold the upside for him over everybody else. So I'm kind of in the yeah. same boat. I like Mooney having his all upside, but Sanders just doing it now. And he's on a better offense, so I'll take the I'll go with Sanders, but everyone else I think I'll stash. I'll stash the upside of Darnell Mooney over. So moving over to the tight end position, not as exciting, but we know tight end. It's that position where you get tired of it, and we need streamers. So just a few names to keep an eye on. You can pick and choose a couple that stand out to you a little bit more. Evan Ingram, he's thirty nine percent rostered. He had six targets last week. His first game back from injury. Pat Fryer moved for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is eight percent rostered as a Steeler fan. It's cool to see the upside for him, but we'll see how good that offense truly is. Uh, Jack, Tyler Conklin, only 4% rostered. And Dawson Knox, 10% rostered. He's getting a little bit more work. So it's pick and choose your two. If you need a two or th- a couple of them, if you need a tight end right now, because that's the position people are most likely just swapping week by week if you don't have one of the big name guys. Which one of these guys are you most interested? Or is there a name that I didn't mention that you'd like more than these guys? No, I I, th- I think Evan Ingram is probably the best ad of of all of these guys. I think that you know he is gonna he's he's gonna have that guaranteed involvement in the in the offense. I think you know he was kind of coming back. Um, he, he actually, his first game back from injury, yeah, like you said, he still got six targets. Um, so I, I think that his ownership will go up, and then um, as well, just uh, he'll continue to be more involved in the, more involved in the offense. Um, you know, with uh, with the other guys, it, this kind of butts up against my Emmanuel Sanders uh, love, but um, you know, it, kind of independently of, of of how we've talked about Emmanuel Sanders, you know, you follow good offenses and you follow volume and you follow opportunities, and um, you know, I, I think that Dawson Knox, after kind of a you know blah week one. Um, He's he, he's getting a couple red zone targets a game. He's he's getting at least you know a solid floor as far as tight ends are concerned. Um, so I think I like Dawson Knox just because the offense that he's in. But I want to hear what you think about Pat Fryermuth because as as our Steelers fan on the pod, mm-hmm. um, how are you feeling about Pat? So Fryermuth is interesting. He's getting more work each week. He had four targets in week two, five targets last week. Steelers are decimated with injuries. Deontay Johnson's out, and I, if I'm taking a guess right now on this show, we don't see him week four. Chase Claypool left the game. He ended up coming back, so I think he's fine. Juju's dealing with a rib injury. It's pain tolerance. Who the heck knows if he's going to be out there for week four. So if those guys are out, we saw Najee Harris get 19 targets. That's all fine and dandy, but that's not sustainable. So I think Fryer move is very intriguing. I just don't know because that offense is so bad right now. And there's so many question marks around it. And Frymouth is still a young tight end that he is going to be someone you start right away. And I'm not going to really stash another tight end. So I think I would prefer Evan Ingram. I think Frymouth has the most upside of all these guys. But tight end is not something you wait on upside for. So I'll take Evan Ingram over him. I probably would take him over Dawson Knox, but that's kind of close. And Conklin, this is fun, but... You know, KJ Osborne's going to probably get some back back to where he was throughout the season. So I like the upside for our move, but I'm not going to go nuts for him. I think you can't start him right away, and that's all I'm looking for for tight end. But the one name that I do want to mention as a tight end option is Hunter Henry. He's 46% rostered. He saw his most targets last week with six. He's gone up each week, and he's running more routes than 
Jonu Smith. He's running on 67% of drop dropbacks as just compared to Jonu Smith's 34%. So if you need someone right away, Hunter Henry might be the guy I like most of all these options. We saw what Tyler Higby did against the Buccaneers last week. Guess what? Hunter Henry is playing the Bucs this week. And then after that, Houston, Dallas, Jets, uh, Chargers. Good matchups for go go up against tight ends. So Hunter Henry may be a name that no one's really talking too much about, but this might be a week to go get him as he's going to get some more work. And then real quick, Adam Troutman, Juwan Johnson, Jonu Smith were the names we've threw out as drop candidates. These guys can all be dropped for one or two of these streamers, you think, or are you holding on to anybody? Um, no, I'm not holding on, on, on to them. And, and, and I think that, um, particularly with Hunter Henry, it's it's trending in the direction to say, you know what, go grab Hunter Henry if you weren't quite sure of who if it's going to be Henry or Jonu Smith, um, who who kind of becomes that pass catching tight end. Um, it it seems like it's going to be Henry. So as long as he's healthy, um, I think it's safe to 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 move on from Jonu Smith as well. All right, moving on to the quarterback position, we just talked about this as a possible streaming candidates. I'm not going to run down some names do you have a favorite or two a favorite two streamers that you're looking at to pick up on waivers for quarterbacks or is it just what, what, what do you see landscape for that this week uh for streamers you know i i, um, I like sam darnold who's only 22 percent rostered um they're playing dallas which we, which we know uh the potential for shootout is always there um and uh taylor heineke playing my atlanta falcons um the 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 scoring output was low against the Giants, um, but I, but I think that you know Heineke has shown that even though he may struggle in real life football, he is willing to air it out. He's willing to um, to go put up some fantasy points, and he's only he's only rostered in six percent of of leagues, and not necessarily streaming. Um, but if you feel if you feel frisky, you could. Um, Justin Fields, you know, he's fifty seven percent rostered. Um, I do think that's going to drop. This week, um, as as people are probably turned off by that um, abysmal Bears game, um, but I so they are playing Detroit, so I think that there is a uh, it could be a potential get right spot. Um, but you know, if if you've seen any of the reports from the game, and he didn't quite look ready, and I don't have a lot of faith in the play calling that's uh, that, that's there to support him, I still think he's a bench stash. Uh, but I'm I don't feel comfortable starting him with the other options out there. Yeah. Sam Darnold, like you said, my favorite streamer as well. You're playing Dallas. You lost Christian McCaffrey, so you're probably not running the ball as much. Go get Sam Darnold against a bad defense. That's definitely my favorite streamer. Heineke, two quarterback streamer. Go for it. Falcons are bad. You and I can play quarterback, and we might have a solid fantasy game against that Falcon defense. So hey, do man. that. I, I agree if those are those as well. And then finally, continuing with the streaming theme, defenses. That's always just a quick thing to mention at the end of the show. If you play the matchups, where are you looking for defense streaming this week? Yeah, you know, I, I think the mistake that you don't want to make is is you don't want to chase points the week after. So it's not necessarily looking at what a what a defense did in week three. It's really looking at who they're playing in week four. Um, the five worst defenses in the league uh, heading into week four are Jacksonville, who and Cincinnati's playing them, and Cincinnati's only three percent rostered and. Um, uh, the Jets are the second worst, and they're playing against Tennessee, which Tennessee has not been good. But checking my notes, yes, it's the Jets. So, um, so I, I, I think they're startable against them. Um, and you know, uh, and, and and Tennessee did put a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz. Um, so I do have a little sneaky play there for who's playing Indianapolis. But um, but Tennessee could, if if they can put some pressure on him, then we know that Zach Wilson will make some mistakes. Um, Sorry, sorry, Callum, but the third worst offense is the Steelers, and they're playing Green Bay, uh, who who was able to put some pressure on uh, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo in Week Three. Um, but again, Green Bay is only fourteen percent rostered. Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh's offensive line is a mess. There was, uh, you know, like you said when we were talking about Frymouth, their uh, their receivers are hurt, um, so there is plenty of opportunity for Big Ben to throw up some picks. Um, and so there's definitely some big play potential for Green Bay's defense. Um, the next two, the, the Bears have not been good. And this is this is an interesting one because um, I would almost recommend playing Chicago or Detroit defense because both <laughs> the, the opportunity is there for both of those. So uh, maybe for a DFS play, if you're trying to punt um, and you want to go with a really cheap DFS, you know, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be upset with with a Detroit option because, again, if Fields 
once again, just looks like he's not ready and he has kind of those happy feet. Um, again, you, th- there's just a pick six or a, or a strip sack or something waiting to happen. Um, and then finally, you know, Buffalo is probably not available in your league, but Houston is the fifth worst offense. Um, and so obviously if they're available, I, I, I would definitely give them a stream. Um, the, you know, Cal, the, the only other one I can think of is uh, because of Carson Wentz, because when a quarterback's injured, um, either you're playing a quarterback who's hobbled or you're going to be playing a backup who's probably not as good. Um, so Miami is only 17% rostered. Um, l- like I said before, Tennessee Tennessee hit, was able to get to Wentz um, 10 times. They sacked him twice and it hit him 10 times. So there was a bigger day kind of waiting in the wings that didn't quite pan out for Tennessee, but I think Miami actually has the defense that that could do it. So if, if Wentz is still hurt, um, if he's still gimping around on those on on two bad ankles, um, then that could be another another really good streaming option. Yeah, this could be a great week for streaming defenses because there are a lot of bad offenses that are going against defenses that are not very rostered. It's a risky play with some of these defenses with Cincinnati and Tennessee who just are not great entirely, but they're playing such bad offenses it may be worth a shot. So keep an eye on those defenses. See who if you have an elite defense who's playing a a bad team, maybe hold it. But if you're on a border, these are some great names to keep an eye on. So before ending the show, just real quick, we're going to do a quick kind of ranking thing. Give me your top three in terms of priority, kind of in a vacuum. I know it's team dependent, but your top three guys you're trying to look out for on the waiver wire this week or four, whatever you feel. Yeah. Number one is, is Chuba Hubbard. I think he's, he's far and away number one. And then uh, Emmanuel Sanders is, is, is number two. Um, I think for, for number three, there, there's not a lot of, um, th- there's not a lot of fab that I'm, that I'm planning to put out beyond that, beyond those two guys. Um, so it's probably somewhere between Peyton Barber and Tim Patrick. Yeah, I would agree with that. Go, give me Chuba Hubbard. I'm trying to get him everywhere. Same thing. Emmanuel Sanders, he's the easy number for both easy number ones at that. I'll put Tim Patrick as my third if you need a receiver just because he continues to get work. And I mentioned enough that I liked about him at the wide receiver segment. And then if you are desperate for running back, Peyton Barber's fine. I just, I'm so, I'm so scared of that running back room with, if Jacobs comes back and it's Peyton Barber. And that's, that's how we end the show today talking about Peyton Barber. Again, words I never thought I'd say. Ah, yes. But thank you for tuning in to another QB list podcast. Keep an eye out this week. We will have the start sit show within a few days, as well as the, what we saw show at the end of the week. Uh, AJ, once again, give me a lot of these people know where you can find you on Twitter. Thanks, Callan. Yeah. You can find me at AJ Passman on Twitter and we should have the waiver wire article out on Tuesday morning. Perfect. Yeah. Keep an eye on for that in case you want to get some, a little bit more reasoning that we said on the pod. This is a great read every week as you set your waiver bids. Keep an eye on that at VQB list or QB list.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week.